Good afternoon, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we want to uh, offer our condolences uh, to the family of uh, Baba Shaka Athanen, uh, revolutionary uh, leader, um, veteran of the Black Panther Party of Self-Defense, who just made his transition um, recently, like within the past uh, week or two. Um, so we want to offer our condolences to his children, um, to, to Mama Ayana, um, uh, his uh, former wife, and and to uh, his grandchildren, and to um, his children who preceded him um, in um, in his ascension. So wonderful, wonderful man, um, and uh, you know um, may his legacy continue, and may he find peace. We are so excited to have uh, the award-winning playwright Cleavon Smith joining us uh, in a pre-recorded interview uh, in in a, in a virtual <laughs> medium. Uh, it was it? Um, yeah, it was actually uh, in April. <laughs> um, he uh, his work, uh, The Flats, uh, uh, is an Aurora audio drama, and it was named uh, Aurora's. Originate Plus Generate 2021. He um, was named Aurora's Originate Plus Generate 2021 Commission Artist. In uh, Smith's world premiere play, Thomas, and the play is called uh, The Incrementalist, Thomas, a highly regarded public intellectual and author, is brought to the University of California at Berkeley campus to help facilitate conversations concerning extra uh, judicial police violence. A member of the UC Berkeley Black Student Union was violently beaten by an officer while peacefully protesting, and the students find themselves rejecting Thomas's middle ground, hashtag not all cops rhetoric. Miriam and Roz, leaders of the BSU, want immediate action, radical reform, and are sick and tired of having to rely on the corrupt system for justice. Nina, the vice chancellor of, of the university, is caught between the demands of the students to shut Thomas down and loyalty to Thomas, her dearest friend from graduate school. I think it's kind of funny the way that uh, Cleavon uses the term Thomas, as in Clarence, Tom- Clarence Thomas, <laughs> who was um, one of the trustees for UC Berkeley um, before um, he became uh, a Supreme Court justice. So anyway, <laughs> um so anyway, I'm going to uh, play this wonderful conversation without further ado. And and you can check in uh, facebook.com forward slash Wanda's Picks to watch uh, or listen visually <laughs> to this same interview. But anyway, it's, it's, it's quite enjoyable. And I uh, also want to let folks know that the play will be up at the Aurora Theater in Berkeley um, through May 15th. However, it's going to start streaming. Um, you can also check on the website for that. And if you want uh, to get discounted tickets, $10 off, you can put in the discount code Wanda's Picks, W-A-N-D-S, oh, excuse me, I'm spelling my name wrong, W-A-N-D-A-S, P-I-C-K-S, P-I-C-K-S, Wanda's Picks, and you'll get $10 off. So. Yeah, uh, because the play is actually um, being staged at the theater 
And uh, and then, like I said, for those who are still distancing and still um, not able to attend indoor events, there is a uh, streaming option. So that's really awesome. So no one has to miss this because Cleavon is like one of my favorite playwrights. And if you don't know his work, after you see the incrementalist, you will know why. He is a voice not to be missed. I didn't hear you. I, got it. I didn't hear your puppy either. Um, <laughs> can can you hear the um, the folks doing the, doing the um, uh, the landscaping outside my window? I can hear it every now and then, but I have right outside my window too. I I have they've been working on Park Boulevard for months now, and they decided this morning to start at six thirty started doing some more work out there, so I apologize for all the beeping behind me as well. <laughs> well, I think I might just mute myself when you're talking. So I um, want to congratulate you on um, having your work, um, The Incrementalist, um, at the Aurora since uh, April 15th. And uh, how's it going? Um, I know you have a star-studded cast. Yes. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the the creative team on this is gold. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely gold. Um, <coughs> from yeah, just the entire team, you know, and um, Don has been exceptional, and you know, just from the get go, just reading my work. Um, being a cheerleader and a champion champion of the work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in the most professional and also kind of like community building kind of way, just like sharing uh, what's resonating with her uh, in the script as a way of kind of like helping me um, make the revisions that I needed to make uh, or go in the direction that I was going. And so I, I guess I'm sorry I just already – realizing that, um, you know, Don is the director of the play, but Don has been with it throughout the entire development of the play. Mm-hmm. So Don saw the first draft of it uh, two years ago. Uh, and so she's been much more than uh, a, the director of the play. She's been like a developmental, um, you know, like I influence and collaborator for the entire uh, process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I bet that I bet that feels really good as a director and as a creative person that you don't have to explain things because she was there at the birth. You know? Well, that was the other thing about Don um, that was so amazing, is so amazing and incredible. It was like I never had to explain much at all, mm-hmm. you know, it was like I would be in the room and and I didn't want to, exp- you know, I don't want to explain anything when they're doing the first table reads and stuff like that. I want to see how it was all going to land. Mm-hmm. And a lot of subtle things that I did, um, just hoping that it would be, that it would resonate without being too over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing Don talk to the cast, I was like, oh, my she gets it. She has an incredible eye, uh, an ear, uh, just an incredible ear um, for, 
yeah, like for the language of the piece, not just the the plot and the actions and all those kinds of things, but for the language, uh, she was the ideal co-collaborator. Yeah, I was really sorry um, last year when I missed the uh, the reading. I'm like, oh no, because I've been waiting and waiting. Oh yeah. And and because I wasn't and I'm still not doing any indoor um, things. It's kind of hard to keep up with things when they're all digital. I mean, not digital, but electronic. Like if you don't put it in your calendar, I'm talking me. Um, I could miss it, and I know. Oh. And and I think it's recorded, but I didn't. I haven't watched it. Uh, <laughs> and so anyway, yeah. And I'm like, now it's here. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting, and I'm really happy that it's on stage. And then for those folks like myself that you know, can't do indoor events for whatever reason. Um, mine is medical. Um, you know, we still get an opportunity. We don't miss all the theater. Cause I right. love theater, and I really, really love your work. Um, your ideas are just really phenomenal, um, the things that you write about. Thank you. The stories are just like, hmm, yeah, yeah. And, and they always have to do with, you know, something about our community. You know, you're right, not writing about things that are not a part of, right. of my landscape. So that's really awesome. Because, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes, you know, we go to plays and, you know, the only, only thing about us is the people that are on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are these, like, imaginary universal people. Yes. Yes. And we know that doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Um, so, yeah. And, and this is not your first time at the Aurora. The Flats, um, you know, the uh, Aurora audio drama, um, let's see, was commissioned. And was this play also commissioned? This play was commissioned um, in both the Flats, obviously, because it was produced during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this play originated back, uh, you know, as far back as the pandemic. Um, this play was what was originally commissioned. Uh, the play was commissioned, but it wasn't necessarily uh, picked and selected to be produced this season. Uh, but it was a part of Aurora has a new work development uh, program called Originate and um, Generate. And uh, they had uh, chosen, uh, selected me for the 2021 um, Originate and Generate Commission. Uh, and then I submitted this as a part of that particular commission. Um, and in the part of the commission, they had the first right of refusal. And, um, and when they were selecting their pieces for uh, this particular season, is um, they chose my piece from that uh, commission, that other commission. Okay, okay. So what's it about? Incrementally, what's it about? Um, <laughs> it's about, <laughs> it's about black people. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 black people who are dealing with issues of of uh, power and progress, relationships. Um, I think part of the the conflict, or what I was grappling with, what was urgent for me, was was twofold. It was one was it was intergenerational, and how one generation sees the next in in their efforts for liberation 
And uh, the other part was, you know, that it was just this, okay, we have different approaches uh, to that liberation and how do we see one another and how do we recognize one another and how do we um, be accountable to one another um, given that the liberation is urgent and is long, long, long overdue and the paths towards that don't always don't always seem to align, and so then how do we um, how do we maintain a sense of solidarity um, when what one person is seeing as the right thing to do is different from the next person, and can we maintain solidarity if we disagree with in our approaches towards that liberation? Um, yeah, so that was that was one of the questions that I was trying to grapple with or trying to unpack in writing the story. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a different story for you. No, <laughs> no, that is uh, that's definitely that is it's a big question for me. Mm-hmm. That's a big question for me, um, and I, and I'm part of it is. Part of it is the more I'm thinking about it, and the more I'm dealing with it and grappling with it, and I think the next play might actually kind of point, you know, bring this out a little bit more. Is there are outside forces feeding that friction, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent. I'm thinking about the next project already, oh, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a different type of story for me. I. Uh, I have a lot of questions within that dynamic that I need to unpack for myself, and um, and not just for myself, but in community with other folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking about um, the last sermon of Sister Imani, and and this play, that play really resonated for me mm-hmm. in this place, the little bit of it that I read. I'm like, oh, okay, we're here again. You know, and then with that play, um, I came to an early, um, early production of it, and, and then I heard, I don't know if it was you or one of the actors, tell me that some things had changed mm-hmm. um, from when I came to, I got a chance to, come to the reading at the little intimate office before mm-hmm. the days that was so fun on University Avenue. Yeah. And then, and then I saw it, you know, when it was like production. And and then I think I saw it again. Because was, was it at Live Oak? It was at Live Oak, Theater First. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, you know, Theater First. People would be running away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> where, where they call home now, but you were one of, you are, I don't know if you're still a resident, um, playwright, but a lot of your work has been produced by Theater First, which I think is a wonderful, a wonderful organization. Yes. Yeah, they, you know, when John Tracy reached out to me years before he became the artistic, you know, not that he doesn't call himself or he didn't call himself the artistic director, but the artistic facilitator, mm-hmm. uh, years before that, 
uh, he talked about the kind of relationship he wanted to develop with playwrights where they had multiple opportunities to uh, to write and it wasn't like wanted to develop their voice, give them more opportunities to, to be in that, uh, to be in the room to, to create work and not have one piece define whether you were, you know, like worthy of uh, further productions. So, um, yeah, they, they really, they helped out a lot at the beginning. I got chills. Yeah, that's that's it, Wanda. That's it. You know, like part of it is, can they still love each other? You know, and then what do you do once you realize that you do still love one another? You know, and it's just like, yeah, like love that love. To me, you know, so like, I don't try to, you know, I try in my plays to to ask questions that are not easily answered. Um, and so that's what the, what's happening in the plays, but the plays are not necessarily me. And to me, the answer that I have is what you just said. It's like that love each other. And uh, yeah, that. I, like I said, you, I got chills when you said that. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then that first play you wrote that I know of that was produced the uh, was it a musical? It was at the uh, theater um, um, on College in in Berkeley. Um, it was about your grandfather, your great grandfather. He was he was he was a soldier. Oh, versus, yes. Versus. That was about liberation, too. That was, you know. Uh, literally. <laughs> literally. Literally. Well, I wish I could have explored that play a little differently. Oh. Um, and so that was commissioned. And the and the and even the subject was commissioned. Uh, but as I did my research, one of the things, and this is, now I'm I'm going back and going tracing the little thread that you've already identified, uh, but tracing that thread, I, it goes back to research in this play versus about during the American Revolutionary War, we had a person who had escaped who escaped enslavement and joined the British, and in my research I found you know like about this other individual who escaped enslavement and fought for the American rebels. 
and they both fought on opposite sides at the same battle. And for them, like for the for the for the white British and the white Americans, they were fighting for one thing. But for the enslaved, the formerly enslaved Africans, they were fighting for their own personal liberation, not in affinity with the other people that they were fighting alongside of. Um, and I thought, like, wow, like if they're like staring down each other's muskets, you know, and 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 I just wanted to erase all the rest of the landscape and just kind of like focus on those two, and 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 what led them there. And as you were saying that, I like I found like that's the thread through all of my work. I didn't even recognize that until you said that. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes men don't write women characters in a way that uh, a woman would feel like. Yeah, I, I can I can see a woman saying, doing, thinking, feeling this. And um, so anyway, I was just thinking about another play, and I remember at theater first they had some shorts, and and they changed like it were different each, you know, right. performance. They were a different play, and I and this play. Uh, was about a mother, an older black mother, and I don't remember the story, um, but I think I think it's listed in your um, in your bio. Was it just one day? Just one day. Yeah, yeah, and and again, that's about you know um, this woman who resisted. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think she's sharing her story. It was the first, it was the Sunday before the first nationally recognized MLK Day in Mississippi. That's where, that's where, no, that's where it was set. It was set in that moment. And so that's what, and so she was grappling with whether she's going to go to work the next day. Because it wasn't a holiday yet. Well, it was it was a it was the first day. It was an official national holiday, but in Mississippi, in rural Mississippi, it, they weren't giving their folks the day off. Right, because she had asked for it, right? She hadn't asked for it, uh, but it was just one of those things where it, it was something that she knew that they all that she and the other black people in the community who were working there they should take the day off, you know, like, and so, and then they were even among themselves, they were arguing about like, Hey, you know, like, should we take the day off? Should we not take the day off? Well, it's just one day. Well, you know, you know, like all of that back and forth. And, 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 and she was grappling with a secret that she was keeping from her mom, which was, you know, like she was dating some man that her mama didn't want her to be dating. And so, in trying to figure out how she was going to stand up to her mom, she also realized that she needed to take a stand at work. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, I enjoyed it because I remember um, before it was, yeah, it was, it was a national holiday, but it had made, just like last year with Juneteenth, it's like a Juneteenth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do on Friday, you know? You know, the president said, this is Freedom Day. I'm like, whoa, <clears throat> whoa, I can't, 
Right. Then do I have sick leave? Not sick. Do I have a what do you call a personal choice day? Yeah. Do I call in sick and pretend I'm not I'm not well? Or do I like stand up and say, This is the day my ancestors, you know, were liberated throughout the country? Like what do I do? Um, yeah, and so what I did, um, when it, I for, for for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I s I didn't um I didn't pretend to be sick. I said, because they said, well, Wanda, you can take a personal day. I'm like, I shouldn't have to pay myself to be free this day. You all should, but because they didn't have to, they didn't. They were a Southern organization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And so I was the only one. I was so disappointed. I'm like, come on, black folks, stand with me. Like, yeah. They might fire me. I'm not salary. Right. Yeah. Well, shoot. So I, I walked off and I came back the next day. And it was kind of like the administration and they, you know, they knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. It would have been so cool if we would have shut the place down for the day. Right. Yeah. 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 Stevie Wonder going around the country singing. Right. You know, Happy birthday to you. Oh yeah. I don't know the name of it right at the moment, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you were there. I was there. It was happening. I was there. There he was, way down there. I didn't have no binoculars, but I knew that was Stevie Wonder. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> you know how big that place is. Oh man. It's bigger than the opera house. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wonder. I'm gonna have to use that one. That's what they said. They say that Stevie Wonder. I can't see, <laughs> but that's what they said. Yeah, I mean, the next time I saw Stevie Wonder, and he was really close, which is, was a sad occasion, um, that was when Ron Dellum passed. Mm. He had the big community yeah. celebration of his life, and Stevie Wonder was a good friend of his, and he came, and he sang. Oh, wow. And I'm like, he walked right by me, and I'm like, wow. And so I, I know that was him. So and, and so it's like, yeah, that was him. Why do you remember seeing him? <laughs> you really seen him this time. You really seen him this time. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. The, I mean, I think you're the only one writing these stories. I mean, like quite the way. I mean, like you have a a wonderful voice. You know, you tell you. stories in a way. I mean, it's not like we've never heard or seen stories about this this day, and. And this 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 theme and these topics, but the way that you know Cleavon takes, you know, the topic, the incident, the historic incident, you know, and 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 tells the story around it, you know, is is quite unique and original, which is which is good. Thank you. Um, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. So, how long does it take a person, you know, like? To write an incrementalist, like <laughs> it took me two years to write this, mm -hmm. and if I had three years, it would have taken me three years. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but the the first draft happened. Let's see, the first draft maybe was six seven months, mm -hmm. um, and then. 
been maybe it's been a year and a half in development. So I've gotten some some table reads every four or five months and can do some revising then. But yeah, the the story itself didn't take that long and, and having the commission really helped because I had like you know, I think the one thing about writing is you never really know if anybody's ever going to read it. And I, you know, I had eyes that were definitely going to read it. I knew when they were selecting shows for the next season, and if I wanted them to even consider mine, I had to have it in by a certain date. Mm-hmm. So having that deadline helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. characters walk through your house and, and, and then they sit with you and they say this is what I want you to say about me as you're like channeling them um, do you get stuff in your dreams do you look at images do you have a particular music that this character loves and so you put the music on and then the person just starts dancing 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 around your your mind or in your room and you just gotta like focus or do you have a script that you walk and sit and, and write? Or are you just like a busy parent and you like you write when you can? Well, I'm, you've answered the question. <laughs> it's like the answer is D, all of the above. <laughs> okay, so, so give me a character and tell me what the music is. What's the jam? Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. So... So in this particular play, um, I, I'll pull it up. I'll pull up the playlist. Okay, cool. Uh, Raz in this play is, um, you know, and, and you probably get it, Wanda. And this is not, you know, this is not like uh, spoiling anything. But Raz is from the Invisible Man, the name Raz, yeah. Raz the Exhorter. Uh, that's that's from the Invisible Man, and so. So this, so this character Raz, um, when they go way back, because they're only like twenty, and they go way back, they listen to Mos Def, Umi says, you, you know that song, yeah. you know, and then they also uh, listen to, um, with with their partner, they'll listen to Pretty Girls. Uh, you know that one? I think she's, I think she's local. You know, and I actually, I I heard that song. Uh, I, I can't remember when I first heard it, but when I was, but I heard it again, and because it was on loop at the Black Woman as God exhibit oh, yeah, yeah. this past year in San Francisco. So I um, I heard it there again. I'm like, okay, the first time I heard this song, I didn't record who sang it, and now I need to know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and listening to um, R.E.D. by the Hallucination, and they're with, uh, they're doing that one with uh, Yassine Bey, you know, Mos Def, uh, with, with, you know, his 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 name now is Yassine Bey. Uh, and that's one that I, I like that one a lot because they had a lot of uh, indigenous um, rhythm along with, you know, the, the most death kind of like liberation ethos. 
Uh, and so I think that was a song definitely that Raz would be listening to. And sometimes when I'm trying to write a scene in which Raz is asserting themselves, um, I may listen to those songs to to kind of help me out. you running into Yasin Bey and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he but, down there. <laughs> check this out though, one this is like what's really amazing about like if we if we just unpack that a little bit, what we see in that story uh-huh. of Stevie Wonder and Yasin Bey is like there's stuff happening in Oakland that draws these big people in the black community black voices yeah. so Oakland drew Stevie Wonder back here for that celebration Oakland drew Yasin Bey here mm-hmm. for this event that wasn't like it wasn't some big thing mm-hmm. you know as far as like in that consumeristic kind of sense of what is big mm-hmm. but it was big yeah. it was big enough to draw them here even though like it didn't have all the clicks, you know, on social media that something else might have. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's, I think that's something powerful to tap into. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, like and just claim it and have our kids claim it and own it and walk with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, you know, when Nelson Mandela was released from prison, speaking of his world tour, they were at the Coliseum, too. Thank you. This mass choir, because I was on stage. I was a part of it. Thank you. uh, So, you know, like, yeah, 
destination. You know, Oakland, we pack. Yeah, major pulse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, this is the artery vein. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure people don't even know this. They just know, you know, the 60 minutes version of Oakland. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) What? What is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Where you come from? Say it with pride. Right. It's like, and people should like almost like revere. If you come from here and you know what here is, then you walk with that pride. Because you can come, you can come from here and not know what that here is. Exactly. You know, but if you know where you are, and then wherever you go, you got that. It's really, you know, I'm working on this one project right now with about Howard Thurman. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual relationship, and that's that's a great story. I mean, it, that is a. I mean, Howard Thurman, he was such a free thinker, and he was like, "All right, if you can't imagine this, it don't matter." Thank you. I, I have enough imagination for everybody, and you're gonna get on board. You're gonna be like, we, "We're gonna bring the arts into this cathedral," because how you gonna know God if you don't dance and sing and let let God come into your body? You know, well. Like I, I would say, I would go farther to say that it's not so much letting God come to your body, but recognizing that the divine is in everything. Totally, yeah, yeah. You know, like the music, man, like even these construction folks that beep, 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 beep. If I just, if how I'm imagining how everything is like, man, if you just close your eyes to it just long enough, you will hear the divine in that construction happening outside your house. You know, like, yeah, powerful, powerful man. But anyway, he was saying, if you, once you realize that you belong somewhere, you will belong everywhere. Mm. You know, and going back to this idea, like, once you know where here is, Mm -hmm. you're going to walk with that wherever you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when somebody asks you, where are you from? You're like, I'm from Oakland. And they're like, (laughs) even if they don't know, they're going to be like, like how? What? Where? And we like the people who do know. Like man, you from Oakland? And, pe- and they go like, yeah. And people that don't know, being like, you from Oakland? You got that kind of pride? And you be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and that you know, there's a church for the fellowship of all people right there on the water in San Francisco. And now I do it during during the pandemic, like when it was really like nobody was walking around. Their their services, you know, like it was an email on Sunday, you know, that was complete with music and the and the, uh, the you know the lesson and then another video you click on wow else and then in between that like we were reading um, <clears throat> Isabel Wilkerson's book um, on cast you know together in Zoom and having the this is for, all from the church. Yeah, yeah, and then did we have any conferences? I mean, it was just like so interactive and so helpful, so that people didn't feel isolated. Isolated, yes. Because, you know, like you know, initially you might, you know we might be might have resisted the Zoom thing, but we came to like like you could feel people through the screen, like and it wasn't your imagination. It's like 
like, you know, like people were crying and reaching out. We even mm-hmm. figured out how to like hold hands and touch. Oh, stop. Me, right? Like, right? Talk about here. Oh, man. I mean, what you said, Wanda, when you talked about, like, without being in isolation, you know, like, isn't that the ethos of his, of, of Howard Thurman and King? Yes, yes. You know what? We don't, we, we should not be in isolation. We are not in isolation. No. Let us, let us work so that we manifest this total understanding and experience that we're not in isolation. Man, oh man, it's rare when a church can viscerally create what they talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a a really beautiful place. And then I'm sure you've been there, right? I haven't been there. Not yet? I haven't been there yet, no. That's got to be a part of your... It is, it is. Yeah, it's, it's so nice. You go in and... Intimate and is lovely, and then they they have you know you go in the basement afterwards, and and that's when you sit, you know, with other people, particularly people you don't know, and right. everybody has a really lovely meal together. And oh I man! I remember when um when Fanya Davis um they honor uh, people that are sort of living, walking Thurman's walk, and I remember when Fanya Davis was honored, and Angela Davis came to support her sister. And and then afterwards, you know, you you think, oh, they're gonna jet right after, like, no, no. Downstairs, and they had a meal, and the meal was like an hour or so, and they were just hanging, you know, with the folks. With the folks. Because we are all the folks, you know. <laughs> the folks are us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He Thurman was amazing. When I went to uh, Daytona Beach. Um, I um, his 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 home was a destination for me. Mm-hmm. See where he lived, and it's a um, you know it's 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 a museum. You know, um, it, it wasn't open, but I could look through the windows and and see you know where he grew up, and and the willow tree that was right there. Oh the yeah. You know, yeah, all the beautiful things growing and hanging, and I actually I brought some back and I put it on my altar. And a friend of mine, you know, he he really loves Thurman, and I brought him back some moths, too. Mm. And I was like, this is Thurman's trees, moths. And I would hear about how he'd sit under that tree and his grandmother be in the house. And and then um, Mary McLeod Bethune's college is right nearby. Right. To college. And I went on there, and her, she's interned there. And I'm like, what? This is so African, you know, to put your dad in the, in the backyard, you know. You know, so you can go visit and talk to him. I'm like, this is this is nice, because you don't hear about that about Daytona Beach. You hear about the parties. Yes. You don't hear about the, don't hear about the, the spiritual presence. I mean, it's like deep, heavy. It is. It is. And I don't even know a lot. I just know those two people. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> this like, I literally have gotten to the point now where. I, I want to, you know how they play, people play that game, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah, we can talk about that later. But every time I'm doing something and it's about some liberatory figure from the 70s back to the 20s, 
Howard Thurman is connected. Like Howard Thurman is connected to Jackie Robinson. Really? Jackie Robinson's personal was a person not yeah, personal minister. He married, you know, like uh he married Jackie Robinson and his wife. Um and um oh. but he was Carl Downs and he was the he was the president of Samuel Houston College. And when when Jackie Robinson broke the color line in Brooklyn, he went to visit. And while he was in New York, he had um, convinced Howard Thurman to, you know, he had convinced people in the Methodist Church to give him some money for these lecture series. And, one of, and he kicked off the lecture series with Howard Thurman before Thurman's uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. Oh. It was almost like his speaking kind of like he was working on the he was working on the book. At the time, he gave these lectures. And so that's Jackie Robinson's personal minister, who was a devotee of Howard Thurman. And so when Jackie Robinson was in the minor leagues, you know, he lived with a prominent black figure who was also in the circle with Howard Thurman. Because in the minor leagues, he lived in Daytona Beach. Because the Brooklyn minor league team was down in, in Florida, in Florida down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like all of these connections mm-hmm. with Howard Thurman, that's an aside, but it's, he's an amazing man. Be a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's great because you know that was big. You know when when they were um, you know alive. Yeah, so it's uh, and it's it's set the the present in the story is set uh, right after King was uh, stabbed on his tour of uh, when he was in at the Harlem Hospital. Yeah. He got stabbed, and Thurman had a vision and went down from Boston to to visit King, and. Um, and it seemed that something happened in that in that in that room when the two met on that occasion. So that's kind of where the story is set. Yeah, 
because they have fear. You know, and that's a real thing. I mean, when King was stabbed, you know, by this woman, I mean, that was heck of scary. Yeah. Like, you know, he was there in this public event um, and, and what was he, signing books? Signing, signing stride, stride towards freedom. Yeah, exactly. And he gets stabbed, you know, by this woman who looks like she's one of the people. Yeah, like just getting this book signed. Right? You know, we had, at that point, I think, what, Yoki was two and a half, three years old, and and little Martin was just a couple months old. I can just only imagine, like, yeah. And so, and then you have Howard Thurman, uninvited, but receives a vision of his own and goes down to provide counsel. <laughs> oh man, you, you just make my mama happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you like, you know, like, we're talking about, you know, Church of the Fellowship of All People, which is a San Francisco institution. I mean, it's pretty old, too. Um, and, and you're also working on something else that's connected to San Francisco, um, an immersive theater project based on Bob City, you know, that was yeah. a, um, a restaurant, a jazz club was located in San Francisco, Fillmore, this is back when Fillmore was the mo, I don't know what it's called now, I don't know what this iteration is, um, but then you, you take us through, um, you know, this uh, failed redevelopment pro- project of the 1950s, you know, that moved the black people out, you know, this is like after you know, what happened with um, World War Two and the Japanese removal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't removed forever. Like, when, when black folks get removed, we get removed forever. Like, don't even think about coming back here. <laughs> like, no, your mama's whatever's not there no more. No, this, the place where you used to go to see movies when you were a kid, like, that's gone, too. Like, like there's like, where are the landmarks? What landmarks? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then part of that story that's just really amazing was at that time, people literally, literally picked up buildings and moved them. They couldn't be in the Fillmore, and so they, but that building, they were able to garner the support. Because it takes a lot to move a building. Yeah. You know? I can't imagine moving a building. I mean, you know, I mean, I know, like, in, in Oakland, even, you know, all those wonderful Victorian buildings uh, that became, um, you know, the uh, the nonprofit park um, mm-hmm. you know, near downtown, near AMLO, um, Preservation Park. Preservation Park, yeah. Yeah, and elsewhere. And then my friend's mother, she got a house, and they moved it on one of those house moving vehicles and moved it and I think she got it for a dollar and now it's on 16th and west and and so yeah you know you can you can move these places but then when you move a house like dang you move a house there's a big space there 
There's a big space there. And a lot of story. Man, a lot of story. And, I, you know, to me, you know, like, in the situation like in Fillmore, where you move in this house because you know of this injustice that's happening to you, when I, when I say it takes a lot of people to move a house, that's a lot of voices lifting that house up. That's just a lot of voices lifting that house up. You know, you might have one or two machines getting the house up, but there's a lot of people, a lot of spirits who are involved with that. Sure. (laughs) So I just want to just sort of highlight some of the folks that are, you know, besides, um, you know, your wonderful director and Aurora's associate artistic director, Don Monique Williams, whom we've spoken about, you also have um, Michael J. Asbury, who I really love, as Thomas. Absolutely. And and Michael is like, oh, my God, he is so wonderful. Yes. got Sam Jackson, uh, who is Roz, as we were talking about, you know, like, what is Roz bumping to? Yes, like, the energy, Sam is great. Sam, in this particular performance, is one of, if not the best, acting performance I've seen in the Bay Area in at least 10 years. And, you know, like, I'm, you know, like, in the last 10 years, I've been a father, so I haven't been to as many plays as I would have liked. But (laughs) Sam's performance in this play is nothing short of brilliant. Mm. Nothing short of brilliant. And to be in the room and see her develop this character the way she did, Mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. Michael is one of the best individuals you'll ever meet. And watching his process, like, I am just in awe Mm -hmm. of his work. Mm -hmm. In awe of his work. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were saying the other name. I want you to do this. Yeah. So I'm going to have to So then we have Kathleen Ridley. Oh my gosh, she's Nina. Kathleen is just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And have you have you worked with any of these actors before? So the funny thing is, ten years ago, almost exactly ten years ago, my very first production, Kathleen and Michael were two of the three actors in that play. What? My very first and. They were in the they were in a script in hand reading of that same play maybe three or four months earlier. So the very first professional actors I worked with were Michael and Kathleen. That's amazing. And so we've been on this journey. My child was born on opening night of that very first play. It's, it was called, um, man, I'm a, you eat what you kill. You eat what you kill. You eat what you kill. I guess that's a great way of thinking about things that you don't waste, right? <laughs> and there's also a way of kind of like thinking about like how vicious um, corporate America is, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so working with 
Michael and Kathleen was joyful because they I had a chance to you know like celebrate my own personal growth with them um, and then just to have them in a room like they're the funniest, most professional crack ups that you'll ever meet. They were there. Ten years. Wow. Wow. Because you don't have anything to do with um, who ends up being cast, or do you? Do you have any say in that? Do you sit? Are you sitting? This round, I did. This round, I did. I had say in it, but it was more of um, Don presenting to me who Don heard in these particular roles, and I also knew, and and so. I, so Don presented all the actors to me, uh, and I was thrilled that she thought of them, and um, I was thrilled with, for the chance to work with them again. Uh, Anna Marie Sharp is the one person I hadn't worked with, but I had seen her in Hieroglyphs um, oh, the previous that summer. Was really good. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and that was the first time I had seen her, and I was like, who is that? So I knew her from hieroglyphs, and when I saw her name on the list of people that Don had presented to me, I was like, I was like, yes, because I wanted to, you know, like, like, who is this person? So talented. Yeah, was in hieroglyphs. Was she the teacher, the art teacher, or was she? The she was uh, the the friend, the teenage friend. Yeah, that story was like, oh my gosh, really? That was yeah. some play. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I don't know. Has has the playwright continued? Because I know it was going to be there was going to be more than one play about. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Because you think about, um, you know, Hurricane Katrina. You think about the displacement. You think about, you know, the trauma. Um, you know, because like it's been what 15 years or so now, and those children and those people that are still with us. That came through that. Yeah. The Superdome, but not, but even those that didn't come through the Superdome, just floods. Yeah. You know, you're in Chicago. How do how do those those energies play themselves out? I mean, yeah. you think about our ancestors. You know, the Maafa, the historic trauma, and that we never had any kind of therapy around. How do we, you know, like this stuff, you know? I mean, you're great. You're an artist, right? So you could channel that stuff. Like, okay, well, some ghost comes up. Let me just make him into a character. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's real, though. 17 years, Katrina. 17 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then last year, same day. (laughs) More stuff. All my family, almost all my family, all the elders died. They're all gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, in... I mean, some of them were in the water, but most of them weren't in the water. And the ones that weren't in the water, you know, you talk about just being in the room, being in the space, and the trauma of just being in the space. Like, you know, how we were all affected by 9-11. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't in New York, but I'm still, I was still traumatized because of it. Yeah, yeah, this stuff is... Yeah. We got to work that stuff out. So, wow, wow, yeah, you have, like, the dream team cast. Dream team. Dream team. So Sam was in just one day. 
And, uh, and it was funny because between headshots, auditioning, and being on stage, it was as if I saw three, it was like Sam is kind of like looking at Sam is like looking at a kaleidoscope. Or not, maybe not like a kaleidoscope because it stays fixed. Once she has her character, you know, and she's getting there, it's like stays fixed. And so Sam has this amazing range of, uh, it's just like, it's it's just watching it. And it's not like, I don't want to say she's a natural because I don't want to take away from any of the incredible hard work uh, that she puts into it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... Like it was phenomenal watching um, her do her work, and all of them, all of them, you know, like Kathleen, just like the best part of who they are as professional actors. For me, as a writer, isn't what they do on the stage; it's what they do at the table when we're reading and they're making sense of the characters. And um, I couldn't have had a better team of of uh, developers, like. Each and every one of them um, asked questions that were critical, uh, and they shared why that question was important in the most thoughtful manner. You know, mindful of you know, like my writer fragility. You know, like getting feedback is always hard, and they were able to communicate and advocate for the characters that they played in these ways that. Um, yeah, it's just like I'm mean, just extremely grateful for uh, for having them on cast, not just their performance, which is exceptional on the stage, but for everything they did in the development of the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Sam was in Fathers and Daughters at the Aurora last season. Yes. And and, and and she was excellent in that because she played two characters, and and so did um, you know um, William. Yeah, William. William, is it Hodgson? Hodge. Hodge, right. Yeah, they were, like, awesome. I, I watched the, yeah. you know, the video version of the play. I don't know if they had people in the theater at that, that time. But, yeah, yeah, I just loved it. We had a great conversation. But then to see it, just like we're having this great conversation. Mm-hmm. See the play, is like, oh, my God, that's why he's, like, you know, saying what he's saying in this conversation. <laughs> when the characters, you know, that are being embodied, you know, the folks, you know, like like you said, you know, these are professionals who have who know how to articulate what the character feels like. Like you wrote it, but this is how it feels like wearing it, living it, breathing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sharing my heart with it. Yeah, and I bet that's yeah. really, really helpful for you as as a writer. Oh yes. It's essential. <laughs> You know, you think about um, when you think about creation story. Think about um, Doctor Frankenstein, right? He, that's a creation story. Mm-hmm. But, but he wasn't he wasn't a good a good creator. I mean, he just made this thing and and didn't love it. Like you, you love your characters, obviously. <laughs> yeah, like wow. In a different kind of way, when you love it. You wow. You love it, but you love it. Wow! Back to love again, right? Oh, I love these. I love my characters. I love my characters. 
I'll just tell you, like, I have I have nothing but absolute, you know, like, yes, love, just love, like, for uh, for my characters. And when you talk about Dr. Frankenstein, you know, it's like it's interesting. It's like when I when I go by when I take the metaphor as you were just presenting it, Frankenstein abandoned his creation. And and in doing so, it haunted him for the rest of his life till his dying days. You know, and then and after Dr. Frankenstein dies, that creation is still itself like unfulfilled. Like that's our life. You know, like, you know, like, and, and people talk about what is your passion, you know, like whatever, but like, yeah, like we can't abandon ourselves. You know, like our true selves, our best selves, our most authentic, our genuine selves are going to be chasing us until we accept it and love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love but that. that was your metaphor. That was your metaphor, Wanda. I saw that because of what you said. I think of that too. I think of this, 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 this America is the beast. We're not the beast. Right. I mean, like the monster was not the monster, you know, the monster was just what happens when you're deprived of, of love and caring, you know, cause we need love to be human. We need love to thrive. You know how they have all those experiments about those babies. You know, they, 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 they go crazy, you know. They get all these different kinds of ailments. Yes. Nobody's hugging them. Yes. That's why, they, that's why we don't have orphanages no. anymore. But we put them in these these other places that they don't love them either. They just want the check. So they might be in a smaller environment, but they still like, you know, those those orphanages because the people that are in charge, they just want the check. They just want the check. Mm-hmm. Yes, I in. A former life, you know, like when I th- when I thought of myself as, you know, a literary scholar, mm-hmm. like I really wanted to teach Frankenstein with Native Son. Oh, that's great! Yeah. It's just like yes, yes. I, 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 you know, yes. I think those stories are so parallel. Oh, totally. So absolutely parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you think about, you know. Um, Ernest Gaines, um, uh, A Lesson Before Dying. Mm. I mean, that kid who is charged with killing that that person, and he didn't, um, but his grandmother wants teacher to teach him, you know, like so he doesn't chase that, you know, that, that entity, so he could, like, come together, be whole. Like, you're going to kill me, but I'm going to die like a man because I'm going to be all there. I'm going to be present within myself, and I'm going to grab, I'm going to hold on to my dignity because I'm going to know what it means to be a dignified black person. 
but he didn't know himself because all he was he was he was living through the projections which were not him wow mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if they're streaming it but are you familiar with jim of the ocean oh my favorite play so because you know when 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 um I'm a citizen, like, what a name, right? Citizen? I love it, yes. I love it. needs to go to the land of the bone so he could, you know, ask for forgiveness and be whole. And then we got, you know, we got, you know. And be whole. Be whole. And the breadcrumb before that, going back to, like, you know, lesson before dying, as you were saying, Mm -hmm. was the citizen accused, you know, like, held a lot of guilt for the death of that other person who, you know, I can't remember his name, but who, uh, who didn't steal the bucket of, of nails. And when Aunt Esther, I'm sorry. He drowned. drowned. And Aunt Esther was talking to citizen and citizens like, why wouldn't he just get out of it? You know, like he knew he wasn't a thief. Mm -hmm. And Aunt Esther was like, you know, like he, that lie, he was not going to live with that lie. You know, he wanted to live with the truth of himself mm-hmm. and not the lie. Yeah, and yeah. so when you were saying that about lesson for dying, it's like he was going to be, how did you say it? He's going he's gonna to die himself, not the projections, but yes. full of himself, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Citizen. Yeah. What a name. Yeah, Two kings. Yeah, and then she made the boat out of some paper. And then, and then she said, I, well, I just gave him the penny, you know, cause so, you know, he could have something. I mean, you know, like, what? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> that was, like, amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, August Wilson, I shared to his memory. He was so brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant. Oh, so brilliant. One of these days, I'm going to have my own theater company. It's going to be called Two Pennies. If you don't, you will. Totally, yeah. Aunt Esther, wow. I mean, you know, that red door, you know, that, you know, you think about the last play, you know, where they're trying to get rid of the, the hill folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully, you know, all the, all the houses with the red doors are not all gone. You know, right. Some of us, you know, like, because it doesn't matter, you know, you talk about home ownership. That that'll protect you. No, it won't. No, it won't. If 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 this government wants you gone, it won't even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, so true. <laughs> we have been talking. This has been so fun. I was yes. so nervous. It's like, oh man, I didn't read this play. What are we gonna talk about? Oh, we got plenty to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. Play. Some of us just like literature, you know, retired college professors or wanting to be retired college professors or college professors that just want to talk to black college professors. <laughs> Not about anything like about classroom management or about administrative blah, blah, blah. Cause no, you, thank you. Because you're one of those royalty people, like you with the academic senate, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You got power, black man, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah, but I, um, 
Now that's a whole other conversation, but I tell you one thing. I tell you one thing though. What is power is that conversation. If we, if you, let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. Okay. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll share this story because you know, just kind of own that. So last year it was a failed project. It, it failed in the sense that it didn't get produced as it should have, but it wasn't a failure at all. But we had this one play at theater first. It was going to be like a Zoom play. And and it was Kathleen Reilly was the co-developer and the director, and we had six other black actors. And the whole premise of it was like these six people coming together in this affinity space and talk about what they're going to do going forward. But what was so wonderful about that, every time we got together to rehearse and to record, we were just in the room with each other. We're just seven black people in the room with each other. Mm-hmm. And and what I wanted out of that whole process was that mm-hmm. the the produced project at the end of it, that was like gravy. It was completely unnecessary. But having that time, all those occasions, being in the room, recording and just talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's critical. And you're not talking about anything. But you but you just but but you're talking. Right, right. You know? Yeah, you feel you feel seen. You know, like, yeah. like we know we here. You know, we know right. we here. Right. Does anybody else know we here? <laughs> you know, like and and do you care who knows you're here? Like some people know I'm here. I'm like whatever. I don't know you. I don't care if you know I'm here or not. So I know I'm not going to get to this. Ooh, Wanda, I know I'm not going to get to this anytime soon, so you got to remind me at a later date. But that's the play right there. That's a play. It's a ghost story. It's a one-person play. It's a ghost story. And, but the thing is, like it's just like what you were saying. Like, you know you're there, but does anybody else know I'm here? You know, and like, and like, and here's this person who is like, that's kind of the question that they're asking. You know, they don't come out as over the top and on the nose and as clear as that to be saying, but that's the question that they're asking. Does anybody else know that I'm here? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ghost story. Okay. Well, we've been writing this story all our lives in this, this hemisphere. Amen. And, it, you know, and, and so, you know, I think about Lacan, you know, and, you know, the philosopher, not the philosopher, but the, the psychologist, and uh, and the whole idea of, you know, what is real, like the real, he calls it a thing, the real. And then he talks about folks that don't participate in the real. And that's us. So we have these parallel communities. You know, segregation, you know, worked for us in a way. If we would have had oh, yeah. If we would have resources, there was no resource. We paying taxes and no representation, period. But we would have had, it would have been like equal. You know, our kids would have had the books and the, and the material and and the and the, uh, the schools. You know, like all of it would have been. We had our own swimming pools. You know, 
then then that's this thing it could have continued because there was something about black community that was so healing and nurturing like people love each other I mean they like the teacher was loving on you it's like the teacher, I mean, like nowadays in the public school, I don't know if these teachers are loving on our kids. Even right. In, even in the good schools, because they don't know our kids, even if they're their neighbors, like the black family on the block. It's like, <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I'm a little older than you, but, you know, we had the, the little red storybooks, the green and the, and the white. And mm-hmm. in the last storybook, the black family moved down the street and say, like, "Oh, the new family." That that wasn't my family. I was mm-hmm. that they were in the book because I'm black, and I was like, "Oh, there's some black people in the book now." Mm-hmm. Um, but those black people that were on the street with these white people, those white people didn't know that experience. They hadn't had to trek from home, from their homeland, to another place in this country because of racism and and whiteness. And, and terrorism. Like, how can you know that as my neighbor? How can you know that? How can you even know to ask the question? Well, you know, like, yeah. Does anybody know I'm here? <laughs> Does anybody know? Yeah, I'm not looking to be validated by these people. It's, it would be too much homework for them. Right, and I think that's that's the... Knowing that is powerful, and so there's there's a there's two sides of it. Like, does anybody know I'm here? Is kind of like a it's kind of like a, a call out, the longing. Mm-hmm. And the other one is just like it's stated as a question, but it's an assertion. You know. Yeah, we've been writing that one all our lives. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to put a put a pin in it. Like, okay, here's here's Cleavon Smith's treatment of that issue. Treatment. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna run with that too. I'm I'm glad you're recording this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna run with that too. Download it. <laughs> I'm gonna do that because I think that's the other thing. I think as um. Reason why I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that with me and keep that with me, like Cleveland Smith's treatment of it. Yeah. But I think you know this happens, and not just in artistic venues, you know, like in all aspects of our lives. You know, like we compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to some, you know, even when we compare ourselves to ourselves, that is. A separated other is like you know, like it's outside of us. Like it's somebody we aspire to be, rather than just being, you know, completely loving of our present selves. And so, I think one of the things that, outside of writing, but definitely in writing, uh, that I I do sometimes is like, okay, is this good enough? Is 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 this saying what needs to be said, or you know, like. Um, is somebody else going to accept this and all those kinds of things? But then to put it in the light of like, oh, this is my treatment of this topic, this issue right now. And so like it's it's not the definitive treatment, 
It's not the definitive statement, so I don't have to worry about it holding that kind of weight. It's just my treatment. Yeah. So that allows me, that empowers me to to contribute, to speak. And so I think that would go for not just as a writer, but just in my everyday. This is like, yeah. So thank you for that. Oh, no worries. So I want to let folks know, um, you know, again, that we're speaking to um, the wonderful playwright, award-winning playwright, uh, Cleavon Smith, and his work, uh, The in- Incrementalist, um, uh, is going to be at the Aurora Theater through, um, through what's, the, what's the closing date? Uh, I think it's May 15th. We have two more weeks. And if people want to, um, you know, participate in the post-show discussions, they're happening um, May 4th and May 12th. You missed the um, the April April um, talk. How how has the play been received? It's been. I think it's been pretty well received. Um, you know, I guess it's, it's so many different ways of kind of judging that. One is, you know, like by people, number of people who are in the seats, mm-hmm. um, and that's been pretty. That's been really good i have been happy with that um the um, and then how it's received you know like critically or outside and i personally don't re- read reviews so but i have people read multiple reviews and then drop them all together so i don't know who it's from uh and it's been okay with that too um but i have to admit like the the thing that would in the room at the time, you can tell the difference between a night when there are more black people in the audience and when there are few, if any, uh, black people in the in the audience. Um, and because just what's picked up, what's picked up on is different. Mm-hmm. And and I think black people in the audience are just as critical as the actors because those responses is letting other people know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the translators of the action on the stage. It's a shame, but going back to what you were saying about, you know, like the, the black people on the box, on the, in, the, in the book, yeah. you know, like they didn't know about those experiences. And so some of the critical moments in the play, you need, you almost need someone to cue you in if you're if you're not from that experience, you need someone. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and then you still you just sort of bookmark it, and then you have to go do some research. And so what makes me think is that are black people your audience? I mean, like, are you writing to us too? I mean, like, like intentionally? I mean, yeah. This 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 play, you know that that was kind of the big risk for me on this play. And then I had to like, I had to let go of it. I'm like, I can't, you know, I knew I was writing it for the Aurora Theater. I knew that the Aurora Theater audience, theater audience in general tends to be white uh, and theater audience at Aurora tends to be white and older, a bit older. So I knew that coming into it and I had to like let go of trying, you know, like August Wilson intentionally said, I'm writing these characters so that white audience will understand a little bit more of the black experience than they than they currently do. And I applaud him and I think August Wilson is the greatest playwright I have ever read. So he doesn't need me to like excuse him in that regard. But my plays 
this play specifically was written for a black audience. Mm-hmm. It was, um, and I knew that that wasn't what I was going to most likely get. Uh, but yeah, this play, it wasn't for a white audience to see a black conversation. It was for a black audience to engage in that conversation with me and to take that conversation farther outside of the outside of the show. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so don't want to miss it. It's about two hours with an intermission. And, you know, Cleavon, as you see, you know, we've been having this free willing, with a doggone consciousness <laughs> conversation. We're talking about, you know, spiritual mystics like Howard Thurman having a dream about Dr. King. Like, what? Yes. <laughs> We're talking about the first, you know, official day of Dr. King, you know, birthday celebration, you know, we're talking about that, and it's so current, you know, because we're thinking about um, San Francisco when it was the federal uh, recognition of, you know, Black Freedom Day last year on mm-hmm. the 18th, and San Francisco, you know, um, uh, Mayor London Breeze said, okay, well, we're going to claim it too, so it's a city holiday as well, mm-hmm. so, you know, so the folks that work for the city of San Francisco got the day off. Yep. Black, you know, indigenous freedom. Because, you know, we're indigenous to this place, too. You know, we rename yep. all, you know, the land and all that stuff. Like, you know, black folks, we're indigenous to America. We built it. Our blood is in the in the, in the the soil. You know, police folks need to claim it. Thank you. Claim it. You know, we, we, you know, we didn't have no choice. You know, we didn't come over on no Mayflower. Yeah, like nowhere here is. Going back to the very beginning of our conversation. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you are so current. You got some currency, brother. <laughs> Thank you. We, but we all do, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, do. we all do. Yeah. Man, thank you, Wanda. Thank you so much. Oh, this has been fun. You didn't have to remind me about that. You had to remind me about the story. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to let you forget about the get-together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll just put it in my calendar. Okay. Like, oh, call Cleveland. You know email. Remember? You know this play idea. I <laughs> 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 just want to put it back in your... In your Thank you. Thank you. No, this was a great chat. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good start to the day. Yeah, 
it's been really, really lovely. Feel feel really good about having this wonderful conversation. Make me feel feel real warm inside, you know. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> yeah. Right, you take good care. All right, you too. All right, bye bye now.